Amen. Thanks, Simon. I was, I, th- I think we've had a special treat this morning. Um, what I was thinking as we were singing What Wondrous Love Is This was if Jim Morrison ever came across a hymn book and redid a hymn. Anyone? Anyone thinking that? Amen for Jim Morrison this morning. That was great, you guys. Thanks for your creativity. And uh, yeah, my name is Trev. It's good to be back. Uh, Last week, I bailed on you very late on Saturday. Uh, I was fighting off some sort of bronchial infection, Uh, apparently rest um, and some medicine and just some time away really was helpful for me, and I'm happy to be back. Uh, Really, it gave me great joy to know that I could bail on Saturday afternoon and things still went amazing. Um, When we started the church, that never happened, so that was a uh, that's always a special moment for me, but I'm, I'm happy to be back. Um, but to be honest, this morning is an interesting way to lead up to Easter. Churches everywhere are talking uh, about Palm Sunday, which is kind of the week before leading up to, and, and because of the sickness and the schedule, Urban Grace is talking about church membership, which feels really un-Eastery or un-Resurrection Sunday-ish, doesn't it? Um, I... I say this regularly, but I don't, I don't think anyone in their journal this morning as they spent time with Jesus was like, boy, I could really use a good sermon on church membership this morning. Um, in fact, I doubt you've ever said that in your entire life. And I've, I haven't been a pastor that long, probably about 15 years, um, but I don't think I've ever once had a request like, can you, can you bring back church membership? Can you talk about this more so this makes sense? And so I know this morning, I, I'm actually, I'm one of those skeptics that really felt like, Jesus, you really brought this at this time for this reason. And uh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, th- there's people in a variety of uh, kind of situations. Some of you are not for church membership at all. When you, every time you've heard that word church membership, um, and maybe it's because of this, you've had a really bad experience with it that for some reason a church has hurt you, they've asked you to be a member, they didn't fulfill what they said they would or something along those lines, or you've seen how it damages people. And so that may be you this morning. Um, Some of you just flat out don't really care that much and you wonder why we make a big deal about it. It's kind of like that little box that you click when you update Flash Player. Membership is kind of like that. You click it, you have no idea, right? Who, has anyone ever read through the full agreement on iTunes or d- when you download Flash, it says, I have read and I agree with all the things in this, right? Is there anyone who seriously has taken the time through? You, c- you can tell the truth here. No one. I believed with all my heart that there was going to be no one who would read through that. But for some of you, that's kind of what church membership is, right? Sure, you put it in front of me, I'll check the box, whatever. It doesn't mean a lot to me. I'm indifferent. But there's also a third category, and I've been encouraged by that. Some people that really care about this. Some people that have asked, when is membership coming out? I've been so grateful for that. People that have said, like, how do I, how do I know that I can be committed, and what, what does it mean to be committed to this church? And so if you're in any one of those categories, and you're likely in one of those three categories, I think it's going to be helpful this morning to to spend some time thinking about this. But to be honest, we're going to probably have to eliminate some of our preconceived ideas about membership. When I say church membership, that word membership means a lot of different things to many of you. How many of you have ever had or have presently a gym membership? Right. Sometimes that's our concept of membership. How many go to the gym? that have a church membership. Less people, right? Uh, That's kind of the way it works. I did a little bit of reading on this. Actually, they depend on people that don't show up. That's how it works for Jim. That that seems like anti-membership to me, doesn't it? Like sign up here because we know you'll never come. How many of you would never go to the gym if it weren't for some sort of gym membership, right? That, that happens. It's one of the ways in which we remind ourselves, and it's funny how this how many would never go to the gym at all if they didn't have this idea of membership? There's so many of us that would fit in this category. And there's a number of us that, that have them and just we don't use them. But it's interesting how much it reminds us that, that we, we committed ourselves to something. Um, some of the people that have 
pushed back against membership have what I would call one of the most common forms of membership, which is the Costco membership. Anyone have a Costco membership? This is an amazing thing to me. Somehow we've been persuaded to pay money to shop at a store. And you can only get the stuff if you have our special little card, right? That's, and we've all bought it. We've all bought it. Like everyone needs an eight-gallon jar of olives, right? Everyone needs one. Everyone needs three tubs of mayonnaise. There's no other place that will offer prepackaged in three one-liter bottles of mayonnaise. But somehow we're okay with this idea of buying a membership to purchase products at a store, and yet we have resistance when it comes to commitment. And I, I feel like, okay, 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 let's be honest. This isn't the most glamorous of topics. But one thing I really think, it, it, it's very helpful for us because I think we live in one of the most non-committal societies of all time. Commitment isn't, it's, it's, it's not a value. Very, very few people say, well, I, I made a commitment to my friend and so I'll stick with it. In fact, we have the opposite. The one formalized covenant promise that used to be at the centerpiece of our culture, marriage, everyone runs from it because they don't want commitment. I was at the barbershop the other day. Someone asked if he was married, and he said, expletive, no. And everyone laughed. Like, like this will just drag me down. This kind of commitment will just, it, it'll, it, this, that's where we get the word ball and chain from, right? Commitment is, it pulls you back. I want to say, I think it's helpful for us to talk about commitment because that's not, that's not at all how we're talking about membership. We're not asking you to buy a special card so you come to our special church and go to our special services. That's not how we want you to think about membership. We don't want you to think of this as going to drag you down and somehow prevent you from living the free Christian life. We, we simply want to say, we want to do our job as a leadership and we feel like one of the best things we can do is to provide this concept of biblical membership, both to remind ourselves of what we're committed to as your leadership, but also what you've committed to. We believe in this so much that we're, we're probably going to, in fact, I think it's, it's almost positive we're going to do this on a yearly basis. In other words, every year you're going to ask, okay, is this another year where would you like to continue with your membership here? so that we can continue to kind of follow through. I mean, I've been a part of churches and I've looked through membership roles and I was like, that person's dead. They've been dead for five years and they're still a member. They could vote if they had a spirit. Like, this seems crazy to me. And so we, wanna, we want this to be a vibrant thing, like, hey, I'm proud. I'm a, I'm a member. I'm committed to this church. And so this morning I want to I walk through uh, four things, and, and in some ways it's five because I think we've got to talk, first of all, about uh, where this idea even comes from. And so there's five things I'm going to talk about this morning. Uh, number one, that, that this idea of membership actually, I don't think it originates exclusively with churches, but actually originates with Jesus. That we are members of his family. And so we need to talk about that as, as the model from where we get this idea of membership from. And then explain to you what membership means to us as a church. And that is, it's about commitment. Number one, it's about uh, protection. It's about relationship. And it's about maturity. And so some immediately push back and they say, church membership sounds so unbiblical to me. And I'd say, so does the concept of power. Like power wasn't in the Bible, but we use it because it's helpful to us as a church. Buildings actually weren't a part of the, the original church, but we use them to accomplish what we do believe is in the Bible, which is following Jesus and gathering together as a family. So this is what I want to explain membership as. No, you will not find membership lists in the New Testament. You will not see chapters about this is what you do when you gather as a church. You, you number people, you separate them into different groups, you have youth groups, you have all. No, you will never find that. But I believe that you will find in your Bible instructions on churches, how to protect churches, how to help churches understand their commitment 
how to, how to help churches understand their role in maturity and, and, and how this is all really about building an, 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 a relationship together. And so let's go through these. The first one that we've, we've got to go through is this, that Jesus made us members of God's family. You think about this. Actually, this idea of membership is rooted in the whole gospel message. Now, if you're new to Urban Grace or you're not a Christian, this word gospel may sound strange to you. It's actually just a short-form word for the good news about Jesus Christ. And here's what the good news is. That there is a membership fee to be part of God's family. And here's the bad news. The bad news is, is that price is really, really high. The price of membership into God's family is you need to be perfect. You need to never have sinned in any way. You need to have never disobeyed God, never broken His standard, never gone against Him, always followed His rules. That's bad news, right? Because that eliminates all of us. But here's what the good news is, is that God said, I will pay the membership price to get you inside of my family. Here's what he did. He came to this earth as God become man in the form of Jesus Christ. And he says, I will pay for their sins. I will pay for every sin that they've ever broken. I will pay for everything, every way they've ever not lived up to my standard. If they will believe that my sacrifice has value, if they believe I am who I say I am, and if they believe that they need me, then that membership price will be paid through faith. It's good news. It's good news. It's especially for those of you who have Costco membership. What if someone handed you a document and said, paid in full for life? Some of you would shop this afternoon. right? You're, some of you, it's like, oh, I don't want to pay that price, but I, re- I really need those olives, right? And that would be good news. Well, here's the great news is that to be part of God's church, to be a member in God's family, that price has been paid through faith. Some of you, this this doesn't even make sense because you are still trying to earn your membership fee by the good things you do for God. You're trying to work really hard and be a really good member of God's family. You say, if I come to church, if I... If I download that YouTube version or you you YouTube you version Bible app, and I read my Bible all the time, maybe then God will be happy with me as His child. I tell you, that's not what's going to get you into the family, and that's not what pleases God. What pleases God is you believing that He's already paid the price, and no amount of you working hard, no amount of good things that you do, although they are part of being. God, uh, part of God's family. No amount of those things earns you into your family. You ask any baby here who can talk, how did they earn their way into that family? Say, I'm not here because of me. I'm here because someone chose me to be part of their family. This is, this is the good news about Jesus Christ. So when we talk about membership, like let's remember that this is modeled even in the very story of God. That he has somehow devised a way free of charge for us. Free of charge for us, not for him. It's very costly for him. But free of charge into his family. And this is what he does. He doesn't call you just a servant of his. He doesn't call you just someone who works for him. He doesn't call you just a slave, although he says... There are things you need to do to serve. He calls us brothers and sisters. He calls us children of the Most High God. He says you're in. He says you're in. This is why we use this word family so often here at Urban Grace. I mean, this is, a, this is in the context of this series on the household, and it's all about a discussion and, and trying to, to uh, make this word household and family the common vernacular around here. So that it's common for us to talk about, well, what would a family do or, or what should a family do? And so when we, when we get into problems and issues about commitment, we, we talk about this in terms of, well, what would I do for my brother or my sister? Well, what would I do in a family context? Well, how would I lead my family? Well, how would I discipline? All of these things I think are so helped by this, this 
concept of family. But this is also tough because some of you come from very dysfunctional, difficult families where you don't want to remember what happened in your family because it went all bad. And you're here because the last people said the same thing and they called themselves the family too. And so I know that this, is, this has this difficult tension, but we, we feel like this word is so important to us, this family. And I, I think it, we just need to talk about Jesus as providing a way into the family. And so let's break down the four things that we think membership is about. Membership is about uh, commitment. And I want to read to you just kind of something that, that, that kind of is overarching in the whole morning. And that is these verses found in Acts chapter 20. And this is, a, this is Acts, the book of Acts is a story really about how the early church began and how God, through his Holy Spirit, raised up leaders in the church and empowered them and how the, really the good news that I just talked about spread. And this is important because this was a man who started a church and, and one of the last things he did for this church was he gave them these instructions. And he said this, 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. And so you hear that price the membership into God's family price. And we're going we're gonna to break down some of those things as we go along. But the first thing is about membership is about commitment. Membership in this church is about commitment. I say just kind of generally about commitment because you can't really force commitment on people. Commitment has to be something that you want to do. I mean, my family, road trips, this would always happen. Hey, if you're a part of this family, you do what a family does, right? That's the way a family kind of talks on road trips. Hey, I brought you into this world, I can take you out, right? So you're committed to this family or not. Hey, I'm driving this vehicle and I pay for the gas, so if you don't want to go where we're going, you get out and walk, right? Excellent commitment values taught by my own parents. Sometimes when we weren't that committed to the, to the direction of the family, uh, when we lived on a farm, so this was great, but my parents literally would open the side door of the van, push us all out and say, run home, burn off this energy until you're good and committed to this family. Okay, they didn't use those words, but my paraphrase. But I say about commitment because the way we're designing membership is to help us all understand what we're really committed to. This isn't to push people into a box and really, for those who have already shown great commitment, this is really kind of not for you. But if you notice, when you sign commitments, they're really not for those who are already committed. They're not really there to help those people because they're really already committed. So the, the fact is many of you are deeply committed to this church family. And we're just asking that you formalize it. Now, that's one of the questions we get about marriage. Well, why do I have to formalize my commitment? And the, like, the, the, the response I have is, what are you afraid of? If you're so committed to this person for life, why are you afraid to sign your name? You're not afraid to check the flash upgrade box. You're not afraid to go to Costco. You're not afraid to get a credit card and sign your life away. But somehow you're afraid to sign on the dotted line and say, I'm committed to this church family. You see, or I'm committed to this marriage. We have kind of agreements that we sign now. They're called prenuptials, which basically says, when I don't feel like being committed anymore, I get half of the stuff. We're willing to sign that commitment. I had someone just plainly tell, hey, hey, I believe in sanctity of marriage. I also believe in prenuptials. And I said, I don't understand how you can put those two in a box together. They don't seem to belong together. Well, what if this happens? Isn't that what you vow? For better or for worse, if I feel like it or I don't? And so I think we want to design membership that just helps remind people, and, and, and this is why, is because when you sign and you say, hey, I'm committed to this church family, when you struggle with this, we want to come alongside you and say, hey, friend, hey, brother, hey, sister, remember when you signed this? Tell me what's going on. Do you not feel like you can commit to this family anymore? Do you not feel like this is your church family? What's going on? 
It, it gives us even a skeleton to kind of work with. So that's why we want to talk about this idea of commitment. I think it's, a, it's amazing. Um, I'm going to go to the next slide here. Uh, one of the things I found, the stories I found is really odd, but it's in Nehemiah 9, and very quickly, the story of Nehemiah is the rebuilding of an ancient city of Jerusalem. If you're, if you're brand new to this story, we actually went through this as a church a couple years ago. It was a fantastic book for us. But interestingly enough, by chapter 9, what's happening is that as the city is getting rebuilt and and God had called people to lead in that, God had called people to move back to the city, God had called people back to commitment, here's what happened and what they did. They realized they they weren't a committed people. And so they, they, they stood there and they listened to the Word of God being read. They stood there apparently for about six hours while leaders read out and said, here's what it means to be a member of God's family. And when they were finished reading, here's what happened. They said, because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. They literally put down names and signatures. So some of the first signatures we ever see in all of Scripture, in all of the Bible. These people, now were they committed before they signed the document? Yes, they were. Why did they sign it? Basically as a witness. Basically said, when we don't feel like obeying this covenant anymore, when we don't feel like fulfilling our promises, and when we have kind of gone off the path that we have supposedly been supposed to going on, there's a piece of paper somewhere or a rock. I don't know how they did it. Where it says, this guy's name, this person's name, at this time said, I will follow God. Here's what they said they would follow. It's in chapter 10. They said, we will obey the word of God. We will walk in obedience to what the word says. That means they had to know it. They had to know what it said. I'm summarizing here. We will not allow people who love the true God to get distracted by marrying people who worship another God. Now to us, this, this, this really sounds ethnically very racist to us. But it was purely religious. Because to marry other people of other ethnicities at that particular time was literally to join in with other gods. And, and, and God said, you, you can't mix two different types of God. I am the only God. And so to, to marry into this family was literally to, to say, your God is okay. It's okay to have your God. And he, he said, this, this won't work. You can't have unity when everyone's just worshiping their own gods. So they made a commitment. They said, we will not allow our people to marry foreigners. We will not allow people to marry people from th- that worship another god. They said we will be marked by following the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a, is a day, one day a week set apart. So they said we're going to covenant, publicly covenant, to putting aside one day a week where it's specifically to, to refresh our vision of how big God is. We will commit to that. It said we will appropriate resources to the community God commanded by the word. There's instructions on how to provide for the people who, who actually worked in the temple and did all the sacrifices. That was the, uh, the, the way, the, the system of worship that they had. And and you need a lot of organization. You need full-time people who did this. And they said, we will will follow God's word to appropriately use the resources we have. They committed to that. And they said, we will promote the mission of God to spread the presence of God. They said, we will be part of the group of people that talk about how great God is. I I think that's membership. I think that's membership. In Nehemiah, of all places. And so you see, like, you, you see how helpful it was. They, they didn't do it to, to put them into a box. They did it to help themselves. And we want you to see this as a way of, we're trying to help you. We know it's important for you to be committed to your church, to a church. And we want to provide the best opportunity for you to do so. We want to be able to remind you often and say, hey, You signed up for this mission, and here's our mission. Our mission is to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to our city and our world. 
to make disciples followers of Jesus Christ in our city and in our world. We've designed it in a way that we think best adapts to where we're at as people and where our culture is at. We know it's not the only way to do it. We understand that. Some of you are like, ah, I'm, I, I would prefer a different sort of method. We say, hey, this is why we are, part of our mission is to, is, is to encourage and promote and even start other churches because we know there are other methodologies that work in other cultures. But this is what we're doing as a church family. And we feel it's one of the best ways of reminding you. I, we had a conversation with a, a, a church leader about three or four weeks ago. I think it was three weeks ago. And he said the people uh, he was involved in kind of, well, he was here, Pat. You, you, some of you would know him. And he was involved in music ministry. And one of the things that he said was, each fall I fire everyone. That was his kind of harsh way of saying he allows them to renew their commitment each year he gives them the option he says you're you're done if you want in you have to re-sign up he says it's amazing how helpful that is to clarify for people he says, and then i ask them to sign i will do these things i will i will commit to practicing each week even if i'm not on a particular sunday i will i will a covenant, I will promise to follow the, the leadership of the church and to not fight and complain with them. I will promise to give of my resources. I will promise to live. In some way, it's a membership covenant inside of a membership covenant. And even then, I was like, that's, that's actually really helpful. Thirdly, membership is about Protection. I read this earlier to you in Acts chapter 20. And, and this is, again, Paul, Paul's instructions. Paul was a church leader that, that had started a lot of different churches. He didn't actually pastor a lot of churches. He just started them. He preached the gospel. He put leadership in place. <clears throat> and on his way back uh, through, he stopped in a place called Ephesus where he had started a church. And he actually didn't even have enough time to go visit the people. He said, tell you what, meet me out on the dock. Meet me out on the dock. And I got some words I want to say to you. And he looked the leadership basically right in the eye and he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from amongst your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. It's interesting. He didn't say, people will hate your church and throw rocks and tomatoes at it. He said, people from among you will start to create a disturbance of different kinds of teaching than I've taught you. He calls them wolves. That seems really harsh, doesn't it? It does play into this metaphor of the idea of shepherd and sheep, and we talked about this two weeks ago when we talked about biblical eldership or, or shepherding or leading. That's a kind of a Bible word. I know it's weird to use an animal husbandry word. Even that word animal husbandry is a weird word for us. But this idea of caring for a flock is there. And he said there will be people, and, and we've all seen enough fairy tales to know that sheep sometimes act like wolves and vice versa. Sometimes wolves dress up in sheep's clothing. No, they probably don't hate your church. They probably just are power hungry. They probably just say, you know what, the, the leadership is almost right, but here's what they're missing. You know, if I had my own church, here's what I would say. Here's what I would do. And he said, be careful. Be careful for people that will come in and just twist things just a little bit to get their own followers. And they won't, they won't stay in line with what the gospel says. And, and I believe that wolves are everywhere. And I believe that they've infiltrated lots of churches. Some of you have shown up to Urban Grace because you said, this church doesn't preach the good news of Jesus Christ anymore. 
Do you know what that's a result of? That's a result of some point a wolf got in and said the gospel wasn't really important anymore. Jesus doesn't need to be talked about every week. You don't have to say the name Jesus. You don't have to act like a church. You just kind of act like a club. Maybe it's more of a business. And some of you are here this morning because you have not been able to recognize when a wolf kind of teaching has been able to come in. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons, one of the strong reasons we want membership is we want a standard of teaching that cannot be defeated. We want to hold truth to the gospel. That's even going to be in our membership covenant. I will maintain my belief in the gospel. I believe in the gospel. You, you can't become a member until you believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He was and that He did what He did. And that it mattered. Why? Is that so we can divide you up into groups of people that believe and don't believe? No, it's so we can protect the doctrine of the church. This is, this is so important for us. Again, for those of you who are like, Amen. You already believe this. If you agree with that, it's like, this is why I'm here, because I want to be part of a church family where they will protect this with their lives. Membership isn't really to persuade you, but there are some here who don't understand how much this really matters. I'll tell you when it will matter. It will matter when you don't know what that standard is anymore. And you show up to a church and you have no idea what anyone believes. And someone says something or someone does something to you or someone lives a certain way and you say, that doesn't seem like it's in line with, with the true teaching of Jesus. And everyone puts up their hands and says, well, what are we going to do about it? It's not really my business. Some of you have been deeply hurt by people like that. And those kind of churches have a tendency to have battered, hurt people in them. Can it be abused the other way, the other direction? Absolutely, friends. Sure. But one of the, the clear calls that we want membership to mean is, is, is we want it to mean that there is a standard of teaching. The, the, this same author, Paul, writes to his young church-planting pastor friend, and this is what he says to him. There will come a time The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It's a strong statement. And this is from a a person who started a church and said there's going to be a time, and I believe we're in that kind of time. And some of you are turned off by this church and you want to go find a church where you just... They don't, they don't tell you you're a sinner. We, we've had that right here. I don't want to be part of a church where I have to hear that I'm a sinner and I need help. Yeah. The time is here when people will just find teaching that suits them. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. And I tell you, I tell you, it, it it's starting to really break my heart. It's why I believe, honestly, we need so many more churches because there are so many churches, so many church families, where if the pastor doesn't say what they want him to say, he is gone. And if the church doesn't go in the direction that they want, they make it known or else they leave. Friends, this is one of the reasons why we're just stating up front, hey, we're not saying we're infallible. We're saying we're going to agree on a standard of teaching here. And it's all going to be founded on Jesus Christ. And everything else comes out of that. And even in our covenant, what we, what we have, we want you to sign a covenant, but there will also be given to you a covenant that your church leaders, your shepherds covenant with you, and that is to hold to the standard of the teaching. 
so that when there is distraction there, when a leader says, maybe if we just didn't talk about Jesus so much, we could have more people here. That you can go, no, 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 no. You signed a covenant to us. You publicly promised to preach the gospel week in and week out, whether we were listening or not. Yeah. We want you to see the membership's going to be two-way here. We're going to covenant probably more deeply with you than you will with us. And that's why. Because this will enable our standard of teaching. Now, to go along with the standard teaching, there's always a standard of living. The church sometimes goes between these two scales of, well, if Jesus gives us this church membership or, or, or membership into his family for free by grace, there's nothing we can do to earn it, then we don't need to worry about our lifestyle or what we do with our lives or what we think or how we act. Well, that's not true. You'll never find support for this in all of the Bible that says, because Jesus Christ died for your sins, it doesn't matter how you live. That is an aberration from what the true gospel is. The true gospel says Jesus Christ died for your sins. He paid a high price. But what he did was he bought you. You're not your own anymore. You don't decide your own way of living. You live as Jesus calls you to live. And some of us have gotten so used to this idea of grace that we don't, we're not that careful. Here's what membership will help do. Hey, you signed. You signed up for this. You signed up to be accountable to this standard of living. I know that sometimes it feels like, yeah, we've punished those who, who don't do what we want them to do, but we haven't done it officially yet, but we've had instances where we've done stuff along the lines of church discipline. I'll tell you what, it is, its purpose is to restore. Its purpose, when, when, when you discipline a child, you don't discipline them to, to, to hurt them. You say, you, you've, you've gone off the way. I need to discipline you so I can help restore you back into healthy church family membership. Or, sorry, healthy family membership. That's the point of discipline. So far, we felt like Jesus has been gracious to us. It's been able to see that way. But there's going to be times where it's just not going to feel this way. And it's just hard. That's why we want to state it up front. We're asking our members to agree to a standard of teaching and a standard of living. Well, what are some of those things? Well, that's my next point. A church membership is about relationship. It's a reminder ultimately about your relationship and the relationship that we have and how this family is supposed to function. And so I'll, I'll go quickly through these. First thing is, I think it's the next slide, actually. This is your family. It's not exactly like the family that you grew up in, but we want you thinking along those lines. So how committed you should be? Well, what would a normal family call for? Sometimes you go to a meal with your family even when you don't want to. Anyone done that? Right? Hey, mom's having a big meal. Hey, I don't feel like it, but I'm part of this family, so I go. This, this means there's going to be things that you will not really feel emotionally like doing. Hey, we're going through this as a church family. Hey, I'd rather go through this book of the Bible or do this. I know. I understand that. But this is what we're doing as a family. And so that's what families do. This is your family. As the video says, this is your church home. We, we don't treat our churches like family. We treat them like superstore. I don't just want a choice of, of a cereal or a porridge. I want 8,000 kinds of different cereal. I, I want my church to fit every category that I'd like. And I'm afraid, friends, we're just not going to be able to ever do that. What's next? The covenant will ask you to support your family. And this is a good word, and again, sometimes this is a hard word. 
And there are points where I, 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 you know, in my own family life, this is what we do. We try to describe things to our children. And we say, this is what our family is doing. Give us some input as to what our family is doing. But there are times we say, this is what our family is doing. And I know you may not like it, but this is what our family is doing. And what we're asking you to commit to is say, even when I don't agree, in fact, I would say that's really when it's going to matter, especially when I don't agree. And these are not like moral issues. These are not like teaching issues. These are like the methods that we use. We say, we're asking you not to complain about it. It doesn't mean you can't ask questions. People say, well, can I ask questions? Yes. People ask lots of questions. But I think there's a big difference between asking questions and questioning. I can tell the difference, right? If you have kids or if you've been a kid, you know the difference. Hey, where are we going for lunch? McDonald's. Okay, I'd rather go to Burger King, but I'll go to McDonald's. And then there's, why do we have to go to McDonald's? One is questioning and one is asking a question. And what I'm saying is we want you to commit to saying, especially when I don't agree, I will ask questions and I will promise that I won't constantly question. Nothing makes it harder to lead a church family than constant questioning. It's very difficult. It means you contribute to your family. This means you give to what your family is doing. Yeah, it does. We talked about this in the, in the money. We, if you have questions about why, do, why are we asking for money, I, I think you can, you can look at our sermon on money. We say, because money tells us often where our heart is, and God demands. In fact, he already owns our heart. And this is what he does creates churches and church leaders and they need to be financially compensated as the family continues to grow. And so, yes, when you sign a membership covenant, it means. It doesn't mean you have to, if you don't give 25% of your income, that you'll get a phone call or an email from one of the elders. It means that if you sign a covenant and our treasurer knows that not a dollar has been given in the past year, it's a big misunderstanding of what your commitment level is. It's not as if people get hunted down, but honestly, not a, not a dollar. Something's wrong. Something's misunderstood. You've eaten at the table for a full year and never once took your plate to the counter. This wouldn't make sense in a normal family setting, and so that's part of the commitment. You contribute to your family, but not just with your money, but with your time. And not just with your time, but with your gift, your talents, who God has made you to be. Sometimes this takes time, friends. I understand that. That's why it's like we give people this kind of room. But ultimately, we, we could put it in those three words. What, what do you contribute? You contribute your time, your talent, and your treasure. I know, three T's. Preacher, eh? You're welcome. Let's completely ripped off from every other church in the world. But that's the language we would use, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Yes, we're asking you to commit to those things. But I want you to hear this. You need a family. You, you need a family way more than you think you do. One of the things we say, and even in our city groups, is, is some struggle to kind of meet and come to a family meal on a regular basis. And you know what? There's schedules, there's issues, it takes time. But at, at some point, you're just going to have to recognize the fact that you actually need some sort of a family. And sometimes you need a family because you need a place to serve. When you're a child, you consume a lot in your family, you take a lot from your parents. Some of us are older, and we're still taking and consuming a lot in our family. But there comes a point where you start providing for your own family. And we would say, that's what we're asking you to commit to, to be one of those people that I'm, I'm committing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to not just support where my family is going, but I'm actually going to... <clears throat> I'm going to help my family. I'm going to provide for my family. And so lastly, I think 
as we close. Membership is about maturity. And this brings us full circle. And here's the text I think is so helpful, Ephesians 4.15. Same writer again, Apostle Paul. He's writing to the same church, and this is what he actually says to them. Ephesians 4.15. He says this. I wonder if I put it on my... I did. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head unto Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You hear the word love there a lot? I love that. I love that. That our call as a leadership is to help you grow up to become a mature follower of Jesus Christ. That is our covenant. None of you who follow that will be judged like those who lead you will be judged. That's actually what the Bible says. Be careful when you become a teacher, a preacher, or a pastor because you'll actually have a judgment on you that will be different from the rest. There's a responsibility that comes with leadership whereby we are accountable to the maker of the universe, God, for the care of this flock. And I tell you, when we get a hold of that as leaders, it terrifies us. It's why we pray. We're like, Jesus, help us. This is a terrifying moment. But what are we, what are we responsible to do? We're actually not responsible to do the mission for you. We're only responsible to help you grow up as mature followers of Jesus who actually do the mission. And this is a hard thing to say often in our churches because we're so used to the consumer mindset that we pay people to do God's mission for us. But we're saying right now, we're covenanting with you. We're stating it publicly. That's not what we're here for. We're not here so that you can not do the mission. We're here to equip all of you the best, to the best of our ability. We're here to help you understand your commitment. We're here to help protect you. We're here to help grow you up in maturity. And sometimes, honestly, that means sitting down with someone and gently but firmly saying, you need to start providing for people. That's what we're about. I hope this morning, I know, Palm Sunday, we're supposed to be singing great songs. You know what? We will. I think this is so important for us as a church family. And if you're a guest here this morning, thank you so much for coming this morning. I hope there's something, some wisdom from God that's been given to you this morning about even your own setting or where you're at in your own commitment. But here's what I would remind you. If you have not yet become a member of God's family, I want you to worry about that first. If, if you've already committed yourself, you've, you've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you've already made that commitment, th- this is your chance to just evaluate for yourself. Where am I at? What is Jesus asking me to commit to? Am I in line? Am I ready to publicly state sign on the line if you will click the box I'm in this is going to be my family you can call me on this you can challenge me on this I'm, I'm in and so I want us to take this time as we sing to think about God's commitment to us did you know that no matter how many times you fail at your commitment to God he will never fail his commitment to you That Jesus does not say, if you commit to me, then I'll commit to you. He says, I'm committed to you. Here's how much he's committed to us. He did not choose simply to give us a message and then say, tell me what you want to do about it. He came to this earth to live amongst us, live the life we should have actually lived, the committed life to the Father that that you and I probably sometimes kind of wish we could do. He says, I will do that in your place if you will believe me and trust me and follow my Holy Spirit as I build and develop you into a church family.
And so this morning, I want us to just reflect on what Jesus has done. Next week, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's really the way we know that the check did not bounce on the membership fees. Now, Jesus is not in the grave. He's in heaven because he rose from the dead. And this is our proof that this is not just a big club, but this is reality. This is worth dying for. This is worth investing our life in. Jesus says one of the things when you become part of my family is when you participate in the church, you're participating in something that will never, ever die, just like me. That's what he's trying to imitate even in his resurrection. He said, because what is heaven going to be? It's going to be a huge party of the family of God where we get to celebrate what Jesus has done for us constantly. And there's so much to celebrate. Here's how long it's going to last. Forever. But I'm probably preaching next week's sermon. So come back, hear about the resurrection. But this morning, friends, what we're hoping to do is in two weeks' time after Easter, we're going to roll out our membership covenant. We'll have covenants for you to sign here. We'll have it on the internet. We'll have the opportunity to talk about this. And we wanted to give you some time to think and to hear from from God. Maybe he's not asking you to commit yourself to this church family, and that's fine. Maybe there's something else that he wants to do in your life. But I want us to take this opportunity as we even sing to just think through this. The Bible says every smart person, when they want to follow God, they think through, am I ready for this? So if you're a wise person, you will take the time necessary to think, am I ready for this? D- am I in? So team, if you'd if you come up, Steve and band, and, and let me pray. And then I want you to participate in the family meal. Jesus, again, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done for us. There's no way we could talk about this with any sense of authority at all or conviction. If Jesus, you had not shown yourself deeply, committed to us. We thank you for the relationship that you have provided. And now as we partake of the family meal, of the symbols that symbolize Jesus, that you were here on earth and you actually died a painful death on our behalf, I pray, Jesus, that we will just be filled full of joy of your Holy Spirit and that we will enjoy partaking of the family meal together And we will enjoy being part of your family. And would you do that, Jesus, for your glory and through your spirit. Amen.